Take a moment to pay attention to how you are breathing. Are you taking deep breaths or are your breaths shallow? Are your shoulders relaxed or are they lifted and tense? Shallow breathing can increase your heart rate while also making you vulnerable to a fight or flight situation. Deep breathing, on the other hand, can help reduce your heart rate and allow you to relax and feel more control over your thoughts and behaviors. Welcome to Normalize the Conversation. I'm your host, Francesca Reichter, and today I'm joined by Todd Steinberg, one of the founders of The Shift, a necklace designed to help you take conscious deep breaths. Join us as Todd explores the power and importance of deep breathing while offering helpful tips to slow your breath and release stress and tension. Todd, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for our conversation to learn more about you, anxiety, your breathing tool. It's going to be such a great conversation. But before we jump in, I really want to check in with you. How are you really? That is a great question. Uh, No one's ever started there. And I think that it's interesting because someone else had recently asked me, instead of asking me how I'm doing, they asked me, how did I sleep? And normally it's, you know, you just look for that quick answer of like, everything's good. And next question, how am I doing? Uh, I'm, I'm a little stressed. Uh, running a business requires a lot. And I think that <laughs> with the business and with my family, there's so much more that I'm responsible for and have to worry about. So there's this wheel constantly turning in my brain that even when things are okay, there's there's always this like unrest. So I'm wrestling with the unrest, and um, it's normally at a, at a nice level. Today it's a little bit it's a little bit higher than usual. So I'm actively engaging in some <laughs> some calming techniques, but uh, but but generally feeling good. How about you? Well, thank you for being so honest. And you know, I'm feeling a little bit of stress today too. It is a lot to run a business and then to have responsibilities as well. I take care of my grandma and all of her friends. We went to the doctor today. It was a really fun experience. And I mean, I love what I get to do, but it is a lot. And I mean, for you as it's a lot, probably a lot more than a starting business entrepreneur who's still in school still in that more child phase of it growing into the more adult but it's hard when you feel responsible for so many people and that's not a conversation that I think is had often I think when we talk about entrepreneurship and talk about business we tend to see like the highlights all these things I'm accomplishing and not like the stress that goes into it and all the anxiety and how hard it can be just to catch your breath some days with all the things on your plate. Yeah. I mean, just looking at you and most people judge feelings based on the expression on your face. And it's like, what that's not showing is what's actually happening in your nervous system. Right. Which it's actually funny because I start looking at people now differently. I'll see, I'll look towards the upper part of your chest to see if you're breathing into your, uh, (laughs) into your rib cage or more into your upper chest. And that is an immediate signal that someone may be triggered or tight or anxious. And it's a simple function of biology, right? Like when you're stressed or when you're tight, you start breathing shallow. And that was kind of like my journey into wellness was, was understanding that I had a breathing problem, right? Like I was, my bots were leading to, um, 
you know, to the shallow breathing. And when I just answer that question, like, like, what am I worried about? I immediately <laughs> noticed that my breath got tight because I started thinking it's uh, a partner of ours who's a psychotherapist labeled it uh, catastrophic thinking, right? Like I started thinking, this happened in like three seconds. I started thinking the business, the kids, oh no, I forgot to do this. And it, and it led into a path that I had to kind of reel myself in and say, wait, she just asked you a very simple question. How are you doing? Like, let's, <laughs> let's stay, let's stay present. Let's stay focused. Okay. So the simple question should be a simple response, but often we tend to dissect it too far. And that's when I think it's important to just zoom out and really just focus on like what's happening right now, not what could happen tomorrow, what could, what happened yesterday, what's happening in the 17 different iterations that I'm trying to interpret the question, but just to focus on what's happening right now. And that's what leads you to being now and present. And that's where calm lives. It's, I mean, like you said, a simple question can really cause your mind to spiral. I know for me, I live kind of like in this constant state of anxiousness and stress. And any one thing that triggers just a thought of something else I have to be concerned about or worry about or focus on will send my mind spiraling with all these things. And then I'll notice that it's a more difficult to catch my breath or my shoulders feel a little heavier or even my legs just don't want to hold me up. Like it just feels all consuming. And I didn't realize that actually happens to other people. And that's not just the me and my body thing. So we learned something really cool recently. So we partnered with a, a psychotherapist and he's teaching, it's not a new theory, it's just something that he's resurrecting, which is called interoception. And what interoception means is that we need to get better at feeling what we're feeling. And what I mean by that is like <clears throat> understanding that when a, we have 50,000 thoughts per day, now that's not an estimation, that is, that is an, a, a literal average. And out of those 50,000, like 80% of those can be negative just naturally, right? Let's, you know, our, our amygdala in our brain is always searching for dangers and, and, and cues in the environment, which is a good thing unless it gets carried away. But interoception means if you can build a muscle of awareness of when you sense just the slightest bit of anxiety to identify, oh, what, what just happened, right? Like I, I feel it in my chest or I feel it on my shoulders or I feel, I feel uncomfortable. I think most people let it slide to a point where now you're breathing shallow and now you're feeling <clears throat> really tense or now your mood has changed. Like when your state of mind is in a different place, you've already let that emotion or that thought become an emotion. So interoception says, Hey, if we can catch it early and if we can understand where it came from, you know, like there's a thought that created a feeling before it turns into emotion, what's going on. Let's unpack it. And then not every thought requires this feeling or intensity, we can just let it pass. And that's why I think becoming really good and skilled at feeling and seeing and understanding what's happening and checking in with yourself to say like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> like your question to start the, the podcast, how are you feeling? If you can start doing that more often, you can catch these, these waves that we go through. And when you're on your way up into fight or flight, maybe you can catch that wave and kind of understand it to say oh yeah like let's not go there right now you know like that's not that thought process of what am i going to do about x y or z that's that doesn't apply to this moment it's not going to help me let's move on so when you can apply that that like hyper hyper sensitive awareness then you're able to walk through your day kind of in a place where 
you catch things so quickly and you make these micro adjustments that you don't feel as much that you're, that you're kind of like in a baseline. You don't want you just feel everything's fine. I'm not talking about being really happy or, or, or feeling anything intensely, just everything's calm. And I think that's where people want to be is that peace of mind, that baseline where, you know, like you feel like you could kind of lay down, take a nap or go for a walk or have a conversation. You're not, you're not needing something to feel calm. You're just kind of like already there. When you get really good at it, you, you tend to feel that baseline more often. It's 80% of the 50,000 thoughts we're having you said are negative thoughts. And these thoughts are all triggering emotions. And most of us just aren't aware. I'm trying to process that because that makes sense. One thing I always get frustrated with is I was never taught how to recognize how I was feeling, right? And when they talked about feelings, it's like those basic five feelings, which it's super important to know. Very, very grateful that people talk about feelings at all, but you know, the happy or it's like the joy, sad, disgust, anger, jealousy. There's all five. So these five emotions, but we're never taught deeper into what they are. So I might think I'm mad, but I'm really just frustrated or overwhelmed. And that could be triggered by a thought that I had that was just an automatic negative thought that just passed through my mind. Maybe it's something I heard or something that was triggered by like scrolling through on social media. And that will completely dictate my mood and how I'm feeling and how I'm behaving. And I don't even know how to identify that, let alone understand where it's coming from so I can work past it, which is like, how do we not know? Yeah. It's fascinating what you just said, because what we've learned in this whole process is just your terminology of how you talk to yourself, right? Like instead of saying, I am stressed or I am anxious, you are not that person that that's you're a person that's experiencing anxiety or experiencing sadness or joy or disappointment. But you just changing the statement from I am to I feel and I feel means it's temporary. It's passing. You know, it's like traffic. You just watch it go by because nothing's permanent, right? I am is stating a fact like like i am this type of individual you're not you know you're just you're a human being you're experiencing an emotion that's going to pass so that's the first thing the second thing is what's really fascinating is because we're building an app around this is everyone out there that's near a computer google obviously (laughs) you're watching this google the emotion wheel there's a lot of different versions of them but this wheel is this like broad spectrum of emotions and it's like this color wheel because what we normally, and I love you to set the five emotions, we normally just kind of like factored into, well, I'm happy, sad, <laughs> angry, or, you know, whatever it is. <clears throat> that, those are, those are, that's great to start. But when you can get good, and again, it comes back to the interoception side of understanding how you're feeling, you can really get it into these micro feelings of like, I'm actually not as much angry as I am disappointed. And that changes your understanding of the event to say, okay, well, I'm disappointed that leads your thinking down the road of, wait, why am I disappointed? And, and, oh, if I'm only disappointed, maybe that's not so intense. And that's where like the proper speech comes in is like, I'm not at a 10 right now. I'm at more of like a six. I'm kind of annoyed. So if I feel that kind of annoyed, maybe I can just like turn that dial down with, you know, some breathing techniques or some music or going for a walk or whatever it is. But it's kind of like learning a new language when you get better at speaking that language and identifying exactly how you feel and why the way you feel, then you have 
what's beautiful is the control of fixing it, right? It's like, okay, now I understand it. Then I can unpack it and then take steps to, uh, to, to, to fix it. So do you, do you find yourself doing that where you're, where you're getting into more of like the different levels of like, what is it? Let's figure it out. And then maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit different than just mad. <laughs> yes. And the feelings wheel, someone actually taught me that on my podcast, like maybe a year and a half ago, they had like actually had like a paper copy and showed it to me. And that blew my mind because I was never taught again, like how to dig deep into my feelings, understand what they are, where they're coming from and how I'm feeling, not who I am. I really like that you made that clarification because it's when you say over and over again, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. That becomes my identity. And that's something I struggled with for so long. So switching it to I'm experiencing depression or I feel depressed right now. It's not forever. It's not who I am. It doesn't have to define all of who I am and define my behaviors is a big difference. And then I can understand where it's coming from and dig deeper because it's not my identity. It's a feeling. Well, and what's interesting about that is maybe it's easier for people. It's at least easier for me to look at the physical, like what's happening right now in my body. And that's actually called exteroception. So maybe the t- my tongue is pressing on my teeth and the roof of my mouth, or maybe my shoulders are raised. Maybe I'm slouching. Um, maybe my feet are curling. Like we all kind of like manifest stress and anxiety and depression in different ways. So for me, I'm someone that I feel it in my chest a lot, but I'll realize that my shoulders throughout the day could just kind of like creep up and up and up and up. And all of a sudden it's just, I, I look strange because I'm, I'm like crunched up in this weird position. And you realize that, that it's this slow wave. Imagine getting in the ocean, right? And you're looking at your stuff on the beach and then 10 seconds later, 15 seconds later, you realize you're in a different place. It's like, how did I drift so fast? And you don't realize, but you're drifting. Same thing is happening during the day when you're, when you're going through these emotions is that your mind is drifting and building stress and you're manifesting it in your body somehow. So it's like step one, if you can look at what you're doing physically, whether it's, you know, your shoulders or your back or, or your feet or, you know, or you're not breathing right, it's, it's something easily, it's something easier to recognize. And then it's like, okay, I'm noticing I'm experiencing stress in my chest or in my shoulders. What can I do immediately to reverse that? And that's where for us, the journey started with breathing. Cause it was like, okay, I, it's not easy to control the thoughts, right? We all know that 50,000 thoughts, like it's just, it's just happening nonstop all day. But what you can do is if you can pay attention to your breath, then the breath talks to the mind and there's this super highway of information with your brain and your diaphragm. And when you're feeling good, you're breathing slow. And you just think about that for a second. When you're feeling calm, you're breathing slow. And when you're feeling anxious, you're probably breathing erratically. You're holding your breath or you're taking really deep inhales. And what the interesting thing about our breath is that inhales are like the gas pedal and exhales are like the brake. So if you can just start to pay more attention to how you're breathing, then it's like this aha moment, like, whoa, I was just holding my breath. I didn't realize it. Or I was just breathing really, really shallow, which is cueing fight or flight. You can then immediately take steps to slow your breath. And it's not hard. You just slow it down. But I think back to your point, no one taught me how to think or manage my thoughts. And no one taught me how to breathe. And no one taught me how to 
understand the emotion wheel or or what I'm feeling or how to recognize these things in teraception, ex-teraception. I learned the Pythagorean theorem, of course, which I'll never use again, right? But I didn't learn these basic, like we're talking about learning, you know, these high school students learning taxes now, like that's great, sweet. What about our feelings? What about this mental health crisis? So that's where uh, I think our mission is just to say, hey, like, let's just start talking about it and love what you're doing with this podcast and understanding how to get better at just feeling and interpreting our emotions. And then when we're in that place where we're more aware of it, trying to figure out how to how to steer the wheel back into a good place. Oh my goodness, breathing. Like you said, like I remember the very first time I um I was doing neurofeedback therapy and I they said pay attention to your breath. And I remember just suddenly becoming so aware of myself breathing and not knowing am I breathing too much? Am I not breathing enough? Am I breathing too fast? Like and starting to panic because I didn't even know what it was supposed to, what breathing was supposed to be like, you know, and then they put the breathing monitor on me and, or it was a breathing belt. It was a belt. That's the heart monitor. It was a belt. And I was doing like three times as many breaths per minute or second, whatever it was, as I was supposed to be. And they're like, well, no wonder you're in a constant state of fight or flight. You're not your body is not physically calmed enough to be able to handle any stress because you are basically hyperventilating to survive at this point. And it took coming out of a psych ward and spending a fortune on neurofeedback therapy to get to a point where someone explained what my breath was supposed to be like and taught me how to calm my breath and notice how it's impacting me. I mean, the, how fast I was breathing, no wonder I was never able to catch my breath. No wonder I was constantly like in a panic and any piece of stress, I couldn't breathe through it. People would be like, just breathe. I, I couldn't handle any more breaths. No wonder I was I, in pain. Yeah. And like, imagine learning that at age four or five, where you're able to learn these techniques early, one, and then two, start honing them so that you can then build that muscle. And I feel like with your story, it's incredible because you had a breakthrough and you realize and it and it and it and it happened in it obviously in a very heavy sense, but you but you're able to value why how you breathe and why it matters so much. And I think that if more people could understand that that it's this thing that happens twenty-three thousand times a day. Like that's not an exaggeration. We take twenty plus thousand breaths every day and we're not aware of any of them <laughs> they're just wild breaths right like they're we're not talking we're not thinking about them because they're offline and they're offline for a reason it's part of our autonomic nervous system which means that we don't have to think about it to breathe the problem with that is that we let our breathing go to all these different levels and with someone like you you were probably breathing at like 20 22 23 breaths per minute which there was just a study done to say that if we could get to like six this came from stanford if we can get to six breaths per minute that is the ideal state. And that state is where homeostasis lives. And what that means is that you're taking inhales and exhales at five seconds. So in for five, out for five, in for five, out for five. And that, what I'm doing, right for those of you that can't see me, I'm making a wave with my hands. And that wave is called, called coherent breathing. And it's important because that sends a signal to your prefrontal cortex and your brain, which is, that's where all the 
executive decision-making lives. That's where like all your decisions come from. And when you're not in a good place and there's cortisol being released with fight or flight, it clouds your thinking. That's why it's so hard to have a rational conversation with somebody when you're in an argument because they're in fight or flight or, you know, because they're breathing so fast, they're, their breathing is trying to protect them. It's, it's this response to try and, you know, like, because there's danger, because there's a grizzly bear, right? Like, but there is no grizzly bear, right? And and we have to understand what's real from not real. So that's hard. <laughs> it's not easy trying to understand which thoughts are healthy and what's not, like, <clears throat> and which things we should be worried about and which things we shouldn't. So it's like, hey, you know what? Clear the deck. Let's just focus on breathing. And if you can breathe correctly for one minute, one minute, I, I want to show you a breathing technique that that we j that just came out of Stanford that is incredible. I, I, I'm excited to, to, to show you guys. Um, this within three breaths is going to get you to a place where it is the fastest technique to calm your mind. And I want anyone that's listening, anyone that's making a decision that's even remotely important, do it after you do this breathing technique because you're going to be clear. You're going to have serotonin, which is that calming chemical, and you're going to not be making it with with all the cortisol, with stress hormone and, and, and muscles tense, it's like you want to be in a clear state of mind, right? When you're, when you're deciding something and we can do that more often, then it's like, whoa, now you're getting into a place where this becomes a habit. You're actually a calmer person because you're breathing better. And that might sound hyperbolic or, you know, like I'm exaggerating, but anyone I know that's really kind of like calm and peaceful, their breathing rates are just this really nice wave of five in, five out, or at least not one second in, one out, one second in, hold my breath, two seconds out, one, it, it's like you're, it's imagine living in chaos like that. So, um, so yeah, I'd love to show you that technique if, 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 if you have time. Yes, yes, please show us. But real quick, I do want to say, is that wave that you showed when yeah. you were doing it? That is what they taught me. They put it up on the screen. <laughs> And it would match my breathing belt. So I'd be able to see if I was actually hitting the curves. That changed everything for me. And to this day, if I'm struggling to catch my breath, I picture those waves. Game changer. But please show us now. I'm really excited for this. <laughs> How does that well, I, I love that they taught you that because it is true. And it is, if you guys uh, want to read a fascinating book, highly recommend James Nestor. The book is called Bre uh, Breath. And it's, it will change your life and it will change how you think about breath. And I'm not just talking about calming yourself. It's the shape of your face, your teeth, how you sleep at night. Uh, it's, it's you, you want to close your mouth. I'll leave you with this. Close your mouth when you're breathing. Um, obviously, what, unless you're eating or talking, but uh, when you sleep at night, especially close your mouth, it's going to make all the difference. So leave you with that. But back to this breathing technique, physiological sigh, and it's done out of a Stanford lab that, um, the, the scientist, his name is, is Andrew Huberman. And if you don't follow the Huberman lab, I highly recommend doing that on, on Instagram and YouTube. Um, just fascinating stuff on optimizing the human experience. So, okay. The physiological side works like this. You're going to take a double inhale through your nose, and then you're going to exhale for as long as you can. And I'll explain what's happening. I'm going to show you first. So the double inhale looks and feels like this. So the long inhale through your nose and then a short burst inhale, and you're going to exhale really long. Now, what's happening here is that you're inhaling just to get the oxygen, right? But then you're doing that second inhale 
to fill up these uh, they're called alveoli, these 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 air sacs in your in your lungs. And there's thousands of them. They could line a, a, a tennis court is how many there, there are. But stress causes CO2 buildup, carbon dioxide builds up in your lungs. And what happens is the sacs kind of flatten out. And when you take that that real quick in inhale, in addition to the other inhale, you're filling up those sacs and then exhaling for a long time, you're offloading all of that CO2, which is in your you're triggering your nervous, or sorry, your vagus nerve, your parasympathetic nervous system. You're, all these things are happening. You're getting rid of 70% of the toxins that you expelling all day come from your, from your exhale, not even from sweating, exhaling 70% of your toxins, just a side note there. So, <clears throat> sorry, I love to geek out on this stuff. It's amazing. It's I so fascinating. To me. But the physiological, uh, the physiological breath is, is sorry, the physiological side is so important because if you look at, uh, I don't know if you have a dog or or anyone that has yeah. a kid, sometimes they'll just do it like when they're having, when a child's having like a, you know, a breakdown, it's, <gasps> you know, like that's the body just trying to get the, the CO2 out on a, in a natural way. So if you can control that with three breaths, if you can do that breath for three times in a row, I mean, I encourage you to do it more than that, but if you can do that three times in a row, you are going to change your state of mind because you're saying that signal to your nervous system saying, oh, like everything's okay. And then you're getting rid of all that CO2. So, um, and that's, and that kind of like gets me to my point of, of, of it's, you know, you're talking about people telling you to just breathe, right? Like, hey, just breathe. Sweet, good point. But it's how you take that breath that ultimately matters. And if you're taking it the right way, it looks like that nice clean wave. And I, I want you to think out there, turn the volume up or turn it down. You can toggle your breath, which is really cool. And that if you're feeling kind of tense, I'm not talking like full blown anxiety attack. Just say you wake up with some tension, right? They like wake up kind of into a weird thought. You can toggle your exhale to calm yourself down. So if you feel a little bit of tension, just think double my inhale. Okay. So if you inhale for two seconds, exhale for four seconds. If you inhale for four seconds, exhale for eight seconds. That four or five breaths in a row, again, is sending that signal. We're talking about the inhale being the the gas and the exhale being the break. That's going to you know signal your nervous system to calm down. So there actually are these tools <laughs> that we can use to, to help us regulate ourselves. And they're right under our nose. We just never knew how to use them. Literally right under our nose. <laughs> All it takes is breathing. And yeah, I remember in high school, I love my mom so much. She's like the greatest and the cutest. And I would have these panic attacks and she'd have to pick me up and take me to the hospital. And so she would give me these bracelets that would say, just breathe. So it would be a reminder for me to breathe. I didn't know how to breathe. Right. So, I mean, it was a great reminder. I love her so much for doing that. And now so much more helpful, a reminder to breathe because I know how. But that's what's really missing when we're talking to people about it, especially kids when they're starting to develop these little panic attacks. They're starting to develop these feelings of panic, of anxiety, of stress, not knowing how to catch their breath, not knowing what to do. So it is so important to tell someone to breathe. Equally as important to tell them how and give I mean, them tools, <laughs> which is why I love what you're doing, because if we don't know how and what to do can't just tell somebody, okay, go drive a car. You have to teach them. You have to give them the tools to prepare them. But, you know, what you were talking about with just breathe is, is I I love that 
I love that, just that statement, just because it's, even though we don't know how to breathe, we're talking about breathing. And because we're talking about breathing, people are turned on to breathing. And it's like, okay, just the fact that we're having the conversation is getting us in a place where, okay, no one in no one five, 10 years ago was having this conversation. And it's my belief, maybe I'm a little bit out there, but I think that the next major movement in wellness is going to be with breathing, conscious breathing, because there's so much science that's, that's going to come out. You're going to see all these Stanford reports come out and it's going to start taking shape. I just hope that people are, I, I think the first step in the process, at least for me and so many others from what I've heard is that it's not so much the breathing technique. I know I just showed you the physiological side, which is super important, but the awareness of it, just the awareness. If you can build the awareness of like, hey, I'm breathing. If you can just say that to yourself like a couple of times a day, you'll realize that because you're saying that, you're correcting what's happening and you're setting yourself from what kind of like leaning, leaning, leaning into stress and into anxiety. You kind of like, you flip the script and you're like, oh, now I'm leaning back towards homeostasis and feeling normal and feeling calm. So, and then once you start doing that more often, you get better and better and better at it. And then before you know it, you're, you know, you're doing it as a habit. And, and, and that's why I always love to ask, like, you probably have a skincare routine, right? Oh, yes. Okay, great. And you're taking care of your skin. But I ask people, do you have a wellness routine? You know, do you have a daily wellness routine that you're doing something multiple times a day to take care of your mental well-being? And the answer is like, well, you know, it's like I do yoga sometimes or I journal or I take a walk or I'm working out, but it's like erratic. So it's like, <clears throat> if you have a skincare routine or if you're brushing your teeth twice a day, everybody does that, right? Like everybody's taking care of their teeth, like full stop, gotta do that. But but what are we doing for our mind? Like, yeah. and, and it's like, there's no real answer for that. So I think my response to that is like, well, can you breathe for, can you consciously breathe two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening? That's how long it takes to brush our teeth, right? So if you can do that, whammy you have a wellness routine and it's not a hard one but if you start doing that then you start getting this momentum of like whoa like i can do this and I'm, it's making me feel better and then you start doing it three times a day four times a day five times a day and that's where you get to a place where you start feeling better kind of like autopilot because your brain now through neuroplasticity learning this new habit is automatically doing it so there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. i just want people to start prioritizing with their teeth and their skin, their mental health. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And back to what I said before, when I ha learned how to breathe again, that was one thing they told me, just do it. They're like, spend at least 30 seconds, three times a day. Just, you can carve out 30 seconds. The time you pick up your phone, just to check the time, you can take those 30 seconds and breathe and just see how much you're breathing. Then up it to a minute. And as you get more comfortable, keep upping it. And as I got through it, I realized that was I annoyed to take 30 seconds out of my day multiple times a day? Did I think it was a big deal? I really did. I was so annoyed by it. I was fighting to do it. It took them like three weeks of telling me to do it for me to do it. But I realized as I got more comfortable paying attention to my breath and I was doing it for a longer period of time, not only was I feeling more calm afterwards and in the moment, but the way I was breathing all the time changed, right? I was no longer taking these shallow breaths all the time. I was no longer having these racing heart all the time where I felt like I couldn't breathe or I was in pain in my chest. 
my breath slowly started to adjust into what I was doing consciously because I was training myself and I didn't even realize it. And I fought it for the longest time for no good reason other than to be stubborn, but it made the biggest difference. So where are you experiencing the most anxiety? Is it situational, right? Is it like in the morning, at night? Because I, I ask people that question in, in terms of like, where is it happening? Is it traffic? Is it because if you can identify that, then at least you know when to activate these techniques, right? So so what what is it for you? Oh, I think it's like, right, that weird hour of the morning where it's like 3am, 4am. And suddenly, like, I wake up and I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't sleep. Don't know what to do. That's like, I think my time. And you're thinking, I, I've been there and you're thinking about I need to sleep. So it's like, yes. you're thinking about having to fall asleep and I'm not going to, and I'm going to be tired in the morning. And that's, there's the catastrophic thinking. It's like, yeah. all these consequences are going to happen because I'm not sleeping. So I have to figure out how to sleep. And then I can, so <laughs> that's where it's like, if you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. I like, I mean, I like to think of it as like two ways. Like yeah. there's a preventative breath and then there's the rescue breath, right? Like the preventative breath is like, all right, if you know, it's coming, it's hard when you wake up in the middle of the night but let's say you have a fear of like escalators right you know you're about to get in an escalator well before you do that let's take those five in five out breaths just to get you centered right just to get your brain and, and your body ready now when you're in like when you're really in it and when you're you know wake up in the middle of the night do that physiological side get that double inhale and then and then long strong exhale to offload that co2 and you do that for three to five times and there's another little trick in there too. Actually, there's two tricks. There's two little hacks that, that we've learned. One, if you're kind of like really in it, um, middle of the night type thing, maybe you wake up sweating and you're just like, uh, one way to activate the vagus nerve is when you're exhaling, hum. So, or somehow create vibration, right? So it's, uh, and what you're doing is because you're creating vibration, you're activating your vagus nerve, which is this long nerve that, that touches all these organs in your body and your brain. And it's one purpose is to calm it. You know, it's like the brakes on your, on your, uh, on, a, on the fight or flight. So the humming, I know it's, it, if you're next to somebody at night, like maybe, maybe it's going to be a little weird because you wake them up, but the humming actually, you know, makes it, makes it easier to access that calm in a shorter amount of time so if you're doing the physiological exhale you could just add like <laughs> that one piece to it and it and it feels a lot better but <clears throat> with these tricks you're you're setting yourself up to kind of tell your brain hey even though we're here right now we can down regulate within like a minute or two and because you get kind of used to that, it's kind of like anyone out there that as an asthmatic you know when you reach for your inhaler and you're like you're having I mean I'm a I'm an asthmatic, but it's not too bad. It happens like every few years or so. But when you get that first hit of that uh, of the inhaler and you, and you breathe in deep and you feel that first sensation of relief, it's like, oh, I can breathe again. And it's like relief even before, and the asthmatics know this, you, 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 you inhale, you're starting to feel good because you know that relief is on the way. It's kind of like the placebo effect too. But before you start to, before or when you're in, and you know, an anxious moment, knowing that you're going to breathe the right way is setting up your brain by saying, hey, like, you know what? <laughs> There's help on the way and you know this is gonna work because it's worked before. So you start to get into a habit pattern where it's like, all right, now I'm actually, I'm still getting stressed and I'm still getting these attacks, but at least I'm able to get out of them so much easier. 
because I'm either preparing for it with the preventative breath or the rescue breath is so effective and so consistent that it's happening like at often enough where my brain starts to understand, oh, like I'm going to feel this way, but it's only going to be this passing moment. Again, you're feeling anxiety. You're not, you, you aren't embodying anxiety. So, um, so hopefully that, that, that helps to, <laughs> to wash it out. Yes. And like you said, panic is still going to exist. You're still going to have moments of panic, being able to recognize the thoughts, recognize how you're feeling, super important. And having the tool to actually cope in the moment, super important. But it's just as important to recognize that it's normal. It's part of a human experience and there's tools that can help you through it. I think a lot of people are constantly looking for that kind of quick fix, snap your fingers. I no longer deal with any panic or any anxiety or any stress or any triggering events or any bad things. It's all still going to exist because that's part of being human. But having these tools can help it so that you don't have to feel overwhelmed and debilitated by it. I think that's a very, very important conversation to have is that these are tools that exist that are so helpful and using them is going to help you in the long run. It's not going to take it away forever, but it's going to get you through. And then continuing to learn how to breathe can help reduce it. But if you still experience panic after, it doesn't mean it's not working for you. It's a normal human emotion and that's okay. Right. And I, I like that as long as you're trying, right? As long as there's motion, as long as you're you're doing something for yourself, you're not just sitting there giving into it. And sometimes it, it gets heavy, right? And sometimes it can be those moments where you're defeated. But that's a temporary moment. That's that's like such a such a strong message is that is that it's not forever. It's it's going to pass. It might take a few minutes, it might take an hour, right? But it's going to pass. You know what it is. The cloud is the the rain that that looks like it's cloudy skies are going to last forever it always passes and you're talking about tools and, and that's why we it's a crazy story but we in talking to my friend who's a therapist he's our business partner now he saw me going through it one day and he's like look i could tell you're kind of in it right now like can i help and it's like sure i'll try anything and he's like look here's a straw and i know it's gonna sound really weird but i want you to breathe through the straw for like two minutes and i breathe through that straw and I, I almost couldn't believe it was happening because I could feel my heart rate come down and I can feel like my shoulders drop and I kind of felt like I was floating for a little bit. And all that was happening was my exhale was being extended. But the real trigger was something physical. Like having something physical was to me game changing and I could hold on to it and they like a physical anchor. So long story short, I come home, talk to my wife and it's like, hey, like I, I'm going to use this straw. Like I, I like, like, and I'm going to use it a lot because it works and it's natural. I'm not taking any drugs. Like it's, <clears throat> I don't, it doesn't, it's not like mind altering where I enter some like comatose state. Like I just feel calmer. And then we started talking. It's like, well, well, you want to carry a straw in your pocket or is that like, how are you going to do this? And it ended up, um, she's a fashion designer. She's like, well, what if, what if we made it a necklace and what if you wore it? It was like, wait yeah, that's much better. Cause then I could just access it whenever I need it. And then we started looking up. We're like, I'm sure we can find this online. It's gotta be some sort of like meditation tool and it didn't exist. So we created the first, you know, breathing meditation tool that you wear as a necklace and it's called the shift. You 
breathe through it like a straw. I mean, it's got a measured circumference and diameter that <laughs> that creates the ideal exhale cut. I like that physiological side that I told you about from Huberman, <clears throat> but it's really cool in that you just take a nice deep inhale through your nose and then you exhale through it. And because it's got this, you know, diameter and circumference, you're going to exhale for like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seconds. And that triggers the vagus nerve. And like I said, it's physical. So you're hanging on to it. And I'll demonstrate for you. Those of you who can see me, great. If not, you can hear that the breath, but it's a nice, again, deep inhale through your nose. And then the exhale sounds like this. And three or four or five of those, you're feeling a lot better. And, and just having something physical, again, is is it makes you do it. And if half the battle is just kind of like getting up, right, is actually doing the work. And because you can actually touch it and feel it and use it, <clears throat> and it's it's got utility, it makes you do it more often because you do it more often, you're feeling better more often. And now you're creating a habit and you go back to the wellness routine and like, maybe it's not so hard to... <laughs> brush your teeth twice a day type thing like with the breathing twice a day or three times a day because you're wearing it and to us that's been the difference and it's it's simple it's practical like you're not committing yourself to a you know such a radical uh radically different lifestyle but you start to get good at it and then that leads to more meditation and more calming techniques so like to me it's like the gateway to uh, a wellness routine that maybe isn't so hard after all when you start actually doing it and you can just wear it like around your neck. I mean, you just tucked it into your shirt. I would have no idea that you're wearing it. So for people who maybe are affected by the stigma or afraid, what if someone sees me wearing a necklace? It's you can easily put it right and tuck it inside your shirt. It's there for when you need it. And it's on you. It's on your body. It's not something you really need to go out of the room to grab. It's right there in front of you when you need it. Where can we get the shift from? So, and thank you for the for the question. Uh, we we have a website. It's called Camuso Design. That's K O M U S O Design. The necklace is called the Shift. So you just Google the Shift breathing tool, and you'll see it there. And it, like you said, it's physical because you're wearing it, so it reminds you. But <clears throat> even what's kind of funnier is that you would think that <clears throat> excuse me that people might see you doing it, and it's like, well, this is weird, or what are you doing? Every time I do it, which obviously I do it often, it's a conversation starter of like, hey. How, what is that doing for you? And it's like, actually, it's my breathing routine or it's my meditation routine. And then come like a thousand questions of like, why, what is it doing? Where can I get one? You know, like, how does it make you feel? And it's the conversation is so similar to ours where it's like, I didn't know, like, I didn't know that breathing was a thing. I didn't know that, that the exhale mattered. I just figured take a deep breath, which no one's doing it right, right? Look different. And when I, now that I know how to do it, I'm going to do it more often. And anyone that says to us like, well, okay, now that I know that I'm going to, you know, start breathing like that. I don't need a tool. And our goal is that you shouldn't need a tool. Right. Yeah. But because it's physical, it actually gets you to do it because even though, you know, you need to slow your breath, even me, right? Like yeah. when I'm, even when I'm not wearing the necklace, I forget <laughs> it's just, it's offline. We have other things going on. So it helps bring breathing offline into the online world of your consciousness so that you're there and then the other part to it which i don't want to get too uh <laughs> too enlightenment uh talk here but when you can find gratitude for breathing you are in another world like you are a highly evolved person because 
it's so hard to feel gratitude when you're feeling stress, right? Like you're just like, oh, there's something wrong. I have to fix this or something I'm worried about. You can't think two thoughts at once. Can't do it. Brain can't. Brain won't allow you to do that, right? But if you can flip the switch with, I know we're talking about breathing, but if you can flip the switch with gratitude of like, hey, I just took a deep breath. You know, like I'm able to do that. That's amazing. I'm alive. Like, like I'm here. I, I exist. If you can just be grateful for taking a breath and being able to breathe, you know, you're in a different place. So, um, so it takes a while to get there. I, I'm still working on flipping that, you know, negativity or that, that worry into that gratitude place. But again, it's a journey and it's, and it's, it's a muscle. And if you can start building the awareness muscle of like, what's going on, what's happening right now to, okay, I recognize it. Now I'm going to use some breathing techniques to help myself feel better. And now I'm going to try to redirect my mind from whatever was bothering me into what am I grateful for? I mean, I just heard this new technique uh, in a presentation last week that if every day you can come up with 30 new things you're grateful for, you start training your brain to search for positive things instead of negative things. Cause the brain always wants to pick up on like, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? What can I improve? What's, what, what danger is in front of me, right? So if you can chart, start to slowly change that subject to what's right, what's going well, what am I grateful for? Even if it's like, I'm grateful for this coffee or that, you know, there's the weather's nice or whatever it is. It's, it's getting your brain kind of like off the bad into the good. And then we could do that every day. Now you're building neuroplasticity again. You're rewiring your brain to feel good or to look for good instead of looking for bad. It, there's so many things. I, 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 I learn something new every day about this stuff. But the one thing that always kind of comes through as the common denominator is like, if you can just come back to your breath to figure out how you're feeling, you're on the right track. You take You, you just took one awesome step to feeling better into wellness. Todd, you are absolutely amazing. As we wrap up, would you be willing to maybe lead us in like a 30 second breathing exercise? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> what I want everyone to do is drop your shoulders. You put your shoulders back and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to feel either your feet on the floor or your back in your chair. And I want you to start to inhale on a count of three, I'm going to guide you. And I want you to just to inhale for five and exhale for five. We're going to try coherent breathing. So three, two, one, inhale, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, inhale, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five. One more, inhale, two, three, four, five. Let's try to exhale along here. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. And slowly open your eyes. And I want you to just think of one thing you're grateful for right now and stay in that thought. <laughs> I'm super grateful for breathing. And for you, Todd, thank you so much for joining me today. Man, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun and uh, I'm always happy to talk breathing and wellness with you. I wish you well on your journey and really appreciate the opportunity to talk to everybody today.
Thank you so much for listening to Normalize the Conversation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast is an initiative of inspiring my generation, focusing on normalizing the conversation, bringing education and awareness to the forefront, and amplifying global voices to spark change and hope. Inspiring My Generation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization on a mission towards suicide prevention through awareness, conversation, education, and support. Connect with us on Instagram at inspiringmygeneration and visit our website inspiringmygeneration.org to learn more about our work and how you can make a difference.